Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining me on Facebook or YouTube. We need a word from God. With so many things happening in our world, it seems like something new every single day that you hear on the news that just kind of knocks the wind out of you that's happening. And we need a word from God. And I believe that God wants to speak to you today through the message that God has given me. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, I just ask that as I'm speaking this morning that those listening would not hear my voice, but they would hear the voice of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, take over and speak through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I believe that we are living in very uh, crucial times in our nation right now. I don't think it's a coincidence that we were thrust into a pandemic unlike we've ever seen. And right after that, we're actually still in the p- pandemic technically. And, and then we have all of this social and racial unrest just happening right before our very eyes. You can see clashing ideologies all over social media and the news outlets. You see different mentalities being played out in front of us. In the church, you see young adults saying that we need to step up and confront racial injustice while you see an older generation saying all lives matter and that you lost me when when they started rioting and they started looting. Church, the world needs us desperately right now. Our text today is found in the book of Joshua, chapter number 24 and verse 15. And this is, uh, this is what it says. This is Joshua speaking. And he says this, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua chapter 24 is the last chapter in the book of Joshua. And this is Joshua's farewell address to the Israelites. Joshua succeeded Moses after he died and brought the Israelites into the promised land. And it had been leading them for many years. He had won many battles and they were now securely in the promised land, a land of their own after being enslaved by the Egyptians for over 400 years. Throughout this chapter, Joshua reviews Israel's history, beginning with God calling Abraham while he and his family were worshiping idols in the land of Terah and calling him to the land of Canaan, the promised land. And he starts the the chapter by talking about Abraham and then moves into how he multiplied Abraham's descendants just just as he had promised him. And and then he reviews their history of slavery in Egypt and how he had delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians supernaturally by sending the plagues and how how he'd protect them throughout the 40 years in the wilderness and planted them in Canaan, a land of their own. I think it's important that we take a look in the rearview mirror sometimes. If we're ashamed of our past, we tend to skip over it because it's painful for us to look backward. Or sometimes we're just so driven and focused and ambitious uh, and, and focused on the future that we feel like we don't have time 
to waste looking back and, and, and spending any time on introspection. The philosopher George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. In order to move forward as a nation right now, we need to look at the injustices of the past that keep seeping into the present and repeating themselves. And we need to confront those ugly, wrong sins and repent and turn away from those things. In order to move forward, we need to stop acting like the past is not affecting the present. If you're not black and you're watching today, I think this is an opportunity for you to look inward and figure out how you were conditioned by your family and the people you grew up with about the African-American race. Let me be transparent with you. Although I am a person of color, I was, I was conditioned by my family and those that I grew up around to be afraid of black people, specifically uh, black males. I grew up in the suburbs of Kansas City in an all-white neighborhood, and I was told to stay away from the African-American neighborhoods because they were dangerous, which that attitude, that perspective spilled over into the way I viewed African-Americans everywhere and anywhere. I was conditioned by those I grew up around that black people were bad influences because of the music they listened to, because of the way they dressed, and because they hated authority, which created a false stereotype about them that I carried with me. The African-American pe people that I have relationship with, if I'm being honest, they either highly respect authority or they're suspicious of authority because of experiences in their lives or experiences that their family had. But I don't know any African-Americans that hate authority. But this is, this is how I was conditioned to view them. This is, this is what I was taught and what was ingrained in me. Uh, you know, and it's natural for th that our hearts and minds are conditioned and primed by our families and friends and even our friends' parents in how we look at certain groups of people. This does not just apply to the African-American, right? This can apply to any group of people. But as Christ followers, we need to look into our hearts and repent of judgments we've made towards other groups that do not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit or the scriptural truth that we're made in the image of God. That is so important, regardless of how we were conditioned to view certain people, groups of people, certain races. As Christ followers, we need to filter everything through the fruit of the Spirit and the scriptural truth that we were all made in the image and likeness of God. I was conditioned to think a certain way towards black people that resulted in some racist behaviors that I've had to repent of myself. I have a nephew that is half black and half Indian. So out of my love for him, I had to examine my own heart in how I viewed uh, the African-American people. For some of you watching, you are insulated and you're never around black people. Therefore, you've never had to examine your heart. But today I'm asking you to examine your heart and repent where you need to repent because that is what Jesus would want you to do. So Joshua reviews Israel's history with them and then he gives them a challenge. 
He's like, I'm about to die and I don't have time to play games. I don't have time to be politically correct. I'm just going to shoot straight from the hip and I'm not going to beat around the bush. He says, choose today whom you're going to serve. Joshua is making it clear to the Israelites that you can choose to serve idols or you can choose to serve the Lord, but you cannot do both. And then Joshua draws a line in the sand. He takes a stand. There are a lot of things in our world that are gray, but there are some very, very important things that are black and white. And this was a moment that that Joshua said, it's black or white. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I am taking a stand. And he says this with clarity, courage, and conviction. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Whether you follow me or not, whether you like it or not, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Today, we're starting a series called, As for Me and My House. The Grace Place NYC is the house that God has given me and my wife uh, responsibility to pastor, to shepherd, to lead, and to oversee. In light of our current cultural climate, I thought it was important for us to talk about how we are going to respond as a church. I thought it was important for us to talk about the attitude and the posture that we are going to take as the Grace Place NYC. And all of the things we're going to talk about today, I believe we're already doing. I just think that it's important that we reiterate where we stand and that we be even more intentional about these things. So, as for me and my house, number one, we will look to Jesus as our ultimate guide and authority. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we'll jump over to Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 15, I'm reading verse 15 through 18, and it says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. In this house, in our house, our allegiance is to Jesus, the King of kings, the head of the body, the church, the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation, so that in everything, Jesus has supremacy. In this house, our allegiance is to Christ and Christ alone. We oppose white supremacy. We oppose black supremacy. We oppose supremacy of all kinds. As for me and my house, Jesus has supremacy over everything. And he is the head of this church, and he will always be the head of this church. As for me and my house, my allegiance is to King Jesus. My allegiance is not to a flag or a country first, but to Jesus first and foremost. My allegiance is not to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or any other party. My allegiance isn't to conservatism or liberalism. Our allegiance is to Jesus. 
and we will use our allegiance to Jesus to give a voice to the voiceless, to give hope to the hopeless, to give help to the helpless. The way of Jesus is the way of this house. Jesus meets every race and every culture at the cross. We have no right to treat anyone unjustly because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity. Because Jesus took on the past, present, and future injustices of humanity upon himself on the cross and purchased our freedom. Jesus was crushed for all of us. And he unites all of us through his death and resurrection. The church of Jesus Christ is a diverse body made up of every culture, tongue, and tribe, and race on this earth. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As believers, our identity is first and foremost found in the family of God as new creations. That doesn't mean we lose our ethnic identity, but our primary identity is found in being part of the body of Christ, which is the church. The uniqueness of our skin color, culture, family history should not divide us, but unite us under the authority of Christ who has supremacy over everything, according to Paul in Colossians chapter 1. As for me and my house, we will see color. When God created humans in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 tells us that we were created in the image and likeness of God. So what does this mean? Walter Bregman, an Old Testament scholar, says, The image of God reflected in human persons is after the manner of a king who establishes himself to assert his sovereign rule where the king himself cannot be present. That's why we're told not to make any graven images, even of God, because that would violate humanity itself as the divinely authorized image bearers of his creation. God doesn't need a statue to honor him and represent his image because that is our job. It is our job to represent God here on earth. We are his representatives and we are his ambassadors. God gave humans the dignified status of being created in his image and likeness. But with that comes a major, major responsibility. And it's safe to say that we have done a terrible, terrible job throughout history of walking this out. And it's because we are a fallen, broken people full of sin. And that is precisely why we need Jesus as our guide and our leader and our supreme authority. As Jesus followers, we have to be different and be set apart. We all have the dignified status of being made in God's image and likeness. And as Christians, we all have the great burden and responsibility to uphold this. Racism, prejudice, or discrimination in any form subverts that. In light of this responsibility, Christians have been given to uphold all people as image bearers of their creator, we must look inside of our hearts, not point the finger at someone else, not look to anyone else, but we must look inside of our hearts 
and look and see as to whether there's anything there that is subverting the truth that all humanity, all race, all ethnicities, all nations have been made and created in the image and likeness of God and carry the breath of God. Whether they're saved or not, that does not change the fact that God made us in His image and likeness. When we treat a certain group of people as if they were not made in the image and likeness of their Creator because of the color of their skin, of course there's going to be tension, anger, and hurt there. And when we ignore it or say it doesn't exist or we just tell people to simply get over it, what that does is reinforce their thought that we don't see them equally. As believers, we must do better. As believers, I must do better. As a believer, you must do better. I think it's problematic to say, I don't see color. When you say, I don't see color, you're saying, I don't see you for who God created you to be. I don't see you uh, for how God shaped and formed and created and fashioned you together. And unless you're colorblind, you're lying. God created different shades of color in his creation. And there is not one color, ethnicity, or culture that's greater than another. They are all beautiful and unique. So to not see it is to deny his creative nature. I want you to see my color. What I don't want is for you to mistreat me because of my color or make fun of me because of my color. I want you to see the uniqueness of my Indian culture and heritage and see the beauty inside of it. I, I want you to be interested in who I am, but I don't want my culture to be uh, some form of entertainment for you because God created me in His image and likeness, just like He created you in His image and likeness. Just like not seeing color um, is denying God's creative nature, so is mistreating or, or looking down on someone because of their color. My whole life, I've been asked to speak in an Indian accent uh, so that everybody could get a laugh. And I would always do it, but on the inside, it made me feel a little uh, degraded because, um, you know, I was basically being asked to make fun of the way my people spoke. And as I became an adult and got into leadership positions in the church, I, I would notice when I would allow um, people to make fun of me because of my skin color or my ethnicity, uh, or the way that our people talked, all of those things, I, I noticed that the respect level would go down when it came time for me to give direction or when it came time to, for me to bring correction. Um, and, and, it, and I believe that it, it kind of was related to me allowing them to make fun of my culture and my ethnicity and my skin color. Differences in skin color, accents, or culture shouldn't be the butt of jokes but a point of awe in God's unique creative power and imagination. In our church, we want to celebrate and honor the differences of color, culture, and backgrounds. If you think about it, Jesus went out of his way to uplift the Samaritans during his ministry. The Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews because they intermarried with other cultures and they built a temple in Samaria, and the Jews did not like this. Uh, they felt like the, the Samaritans were sellouts and half-breeds. And so 
uh, because of this, there was a major racial tension and rift between the Jews and the Samaritans during the time of Jesus. Yet, in spite of all of this, we read in John chapter 4 that Jesus asked a Samaritan woman for a drink of water at a well. Not only that, he offered this woman the gift of conversation. And boy, is that an important gift right now, that we would have conversations with people that don't look like us, that don't believe the same way that we believe, that we would have conversations and we would try to see things from someone else's perspective. The gift of conversation, I, I can't state how important that is right now. Jesus intentionally pursued this woman of another race in order to share eternal life with her. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman questions about her life, and through a word of knowledge, Jesus told her that she had had five husbands prior, and the, and the man she's currently living with was not her husband. Uh, he didn't say, he didn't then say uh, to her, everything people say about you Samaritans is true. You deserve what you get. No, he didn't weaponize her past and use it to do, dehumanize her. He brought up her past in order to give her a love that she had never, ever experienced before. If Jesus is our ultimate guide and authority, then we can't ignore our brothers and sisters who are hurting right now. Jesus went out of his way to lift up the oppressed, the hurting, and the broken of his society. And sadly, he was looked down upon for doing so by the religious leaders of his day. As for me and my house, number three, we will speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Verse 9, Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. In the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd, when I saw my African-American brothers and sisters from all spectrums of life, grieving and heartbroken uh, of, of what they saw on that video. My, I mean, and, and, and how they saw that uh, George Floyd was, was unjustly killed. It, it grieved my heart as I started watching and seeing how they were responding. And, and then when I saw people of different races, white, black, Hispanic, and many others call out racial injustice and declare that black lives matter, political organization taken out of it. But when they declared that black lives matter, I think this is what they were doing. They were speaking up for those who could not in that moment speak up for themselves. They were so heartbroken. They were so downtrodden. They were so beat down that when I saw these other people speaking up, man, I, I, I thought of that scripture, speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. Mourn with those who are mourning. Grieve with those who are grieving. If the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, then as his image bearers, shouldn't we be doing the same thing? I witnessed so many white pastors speaking out against racism, and I had never seen that much support before. Let me just call out the elephant in the room. The church is not immune to racism. If you think racism does not exist inside the church, you are deceived and you are fooled. Just as it exists outside of the church, it also exists inside of the church. There is racism and prejudice in the church. 
I've seen it and experienced it myself. Just look at how most churches are not a reflection of their neighborhood. Okay? They are segregated even if the area is racially diverse. Just watch how the church reacts when you start bringing in kids from the rough parts of town. Parents start complaining that their precious Christian kids are going to start being negatively influenced by those bad kids that are coming off the streets. Instead of, instead of telling their children, this is an opportunity for you to, to walk in the power of the Spirit and be a witness to these kids and, and love them like Jesus would love them. Instead, they start complaining and saying, I don't want those kids in the youth group. I don't want those kids in the church because they're going to negatively influence my kids. Adults start giving them the evil eye when they walk into the church. It might even get to the point where they approach the pastor and they say, they give them an ultimatum and say, if, if, if they don't go, we go and are generous tied with us. Church, if football players kneeling during the national anthem protesting police brutality bothers you more than a police officer kneeling on the neck of, of a handcuffed African-American man, then there is a problem in the church. Personally, if I'm at an event where the national anthem is, is sung, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to put my hand over my heart every single time and I'm teaching my children to do the same. But if you can't find it in your heart to understand why someone else might not feel that same way, man, the, you might need to ask God, not you might, you need to ask God to give you His perspective of people that have had different experiences than you. The truth is that there is no command or suggestion in God's Word that we must stand for the national anthem. I know that that comes as a surprise to some of you, but, but there's no scripture and verse that says you must stand for national anthems. There's just not. But there is scripture after scripture after scripture that tells us to stand up for the oppressed, to stand up for the hurting, to stand up for the poor. When you see someone hungry, feed them. When you see someone without clothes, clothe them. When you see someone struggling, uh, uh, James said, Real pure religion is looking after the widows and the orphans. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Did, did you know Jesus? He went after the misfits and the outcasts and the, and the crippled and the paralyzed and the blind and the deaf, and he brought healing and wholeness to them. Church, let's be a people who speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, a voice for the voiceless. Let's not allow injustice to happen right before our very eyes and be silent. Not on our watch is what should be the cry of our heart. Not on our watch. We are going to live and be representatives and ambassadors of Jesus here on this earth. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. In other words, we can't minimize injustice when it happens to a group of people we don't really care for or value. Because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Let's not forget that Jesus had nothing to do with the sin that tainted every single human heart, yet he sacrificed his life for our sins. 
He didn't say, well, I had nothing to do with their sin, so I have zero responsibility. No, he said, I had nothing to do with their sin, but I am taking full responsibility. That is Jesus. That is the gospel. And the gospel must inform how we behave during this time. The question that each of us should be asking ourselves right now is this. How can I embody the love, the grace, and mercy of Jesus to a broken world? How can I embody the way Jesus was, the kindness, the boldness, the courage, the love that Jesus walked in? How can I embody that right now? in this world where we have so much craziness happening right now. We have so much anger being spewed right now. We have so much, um, we have so much hurt happening right now. We have old wounds that, that, are, being, that, that are being brought up. We have, uh, we, we have old hurts being brought up and we have new hurts happening right now. And it is so important that we as the church that we embody the character of Jesus, that we embody the fruit of the Spirit, that, 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 that we are a loving presence, that we are a peaceful presence, that we are a kind presence, that we are a truthful presence. It is so, so important that we embody those qualities right now. So as we close today, let's just recap. As for me and my house, we will look to Jesus as our ultimate guide and our ultimate authority. As for me and my house, we will see color. And as for me and my house, we will speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. God bless you guys, and thank you for listening, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.